So hello and welcome to another episode of Design Truth. Uh, my name is Brad Harper and I am an industrial design recruiter. Uh, me and my design mate Drew uh, started Design Truth just over a year ago um, in an attempt to keep industrial design connected. Uh, today we caught up with the YouTube coat, Sam Does Design, um, unpacking everything really from being spotted at a, vest- at a festival to working at Layer Design. And um, if you ever want to be involved in the pod, or even sponsor the thing, um, track us down at hello at designtruth.co.uk. Oh, and make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you half enjoyed it. Thank you. To be honest, there's been lots of occasions where we've sworn quite profusely, Drew. Um, James yes. Dyson tends to get quite I, a lot. I have, I've, <laughs> I've, said some, I've said some things that we've had yeah. to chop out. Um, yeah. I'm glad that I was editing that episode. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he's friends with Boris and I'm not. So um, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I always got told that working there is a bit like um, you're constantly trying to um, make out that um, your idea is his idea. <laughs> I think, isn't that the plot to Inception, where you need to make it seem like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just going to tie this up the way, otherwise I'm going to tinker with it the whole well, way. Last, last, I do every video. Exactly. And last week we had a guest that put a hat on and you yeah. decided to put your hat on to try... Yeah, because and- I thought that's a good idea. And because in the old place, the sun had started to move around and uh, and was, was shining in my eyes so I'd noticed that on a, on a couple of previous episodes I've been sort of like this mm. so without wanting to um, sort of shadow box my way through and mm. um, so yeah let's hat it up welcome to the podcast I think that's probably the only thing I should say uh, I'll ask you this and I'll edit it out if the answer's no but if you listen to the uh, but if you listen to the podcast before yeah yeah I have listened okay, okay cool uh, have you got copious notes with you? <laughs> well, <laughs> episode three was a real shit show. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to every single one, but yeah, that's I, okay, I'm Sam. Keeping up when I can. You've done more than most, <laughs> so I respect that. But thanks for coming on. Um, it's very strange that when we when I always put something out on Instagram, which says something like, "Who do you want to come on as a guest?" So like we'll we'll put something out on our stories, and we get these people that write to us, and your name comes up all the time, <laughs> to a point where I started to tally up everyone, and you're second place to Johnny Ive. <laughs> so, so Johnny wasn't available. Johnny's today. not available. No, well, third place was Joe Bernard, and we managed to get her on, so she's come on. You're second place, so Johnny. <laughs> if anyone knows him, you've got my number. <laughs> so, that'd be a great guest to have on, wouldn't they, Drew? To be fair, I don't know what I'd ask him. Yeah, I don't know. There'd be, there'd be so much to go through. Um, we'd ask him yeah, what he thinks about Sam Grills. But to the, the three people that don't know who you are, um, if you could introduce yourself, um, I'm presuming <laughs> you've nailed this down by now because you've done videos. So I do my stuff. YouTube intro. No, I'll, I'll do a proper, a real, like, yeah, just go. Hello. <laughs> my name is Sam Gwilt. I am an industrial designer working and living in London. And for the past three or four years, maybe, no, for the past two years, I've been uh, running an education YouTube channel called Sam Does Design. And I'm also on Instagram shouting about design all the time as well. Oh, nice. Well, you nailed that. Tell us about the YouTube thing, because I'm sure you probably get these questions quite a bit. What was the point where you thought, Fuck it, I'll put some stuff on YouTube. How did yeah. it kick off so well? <laughs> like, how did you just start a YouTube channel and have it look just really good right off the, yeah. right off the bat? <laughs> um, I think it all started really with Instagram. And I was, I was in a good wave. I was, in a, I was at the right place, right time with Instagram, where um, not many designers were online, not many designers were posting stuff. And I just wanted to post, I was a student at the time and I wanted to post sketches and say like, Hey, I'm not very good yet, but, 
can you like look at my sketch and you know tell me how to how to get better? And I was just posting these sketches as, as often as I could. And after about six months of that, and people were saying, oh, you know, the perspective's not right. You can do some better line weight here and there. After about six months, I started to get comments were like, oh, that's really cool. How did you do that? And you know, and and suddenly the the conversation had flipped. It took me a while to realize, like, oh, actually, like, whatever I learned in the last six months, I can now like pass that on. And if I can get people to follow me and we can grow this like uh, community in space, that that'd be really uh, quite good to all learn from each other. And it was just at the beginning of when Instagram started to add video and I was messing around with a few video clips here and there, just testing out, you know, how the app was working. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do video, I, I watch a lot of YouTube myself and I watch so many creators and I, I look up to a lot of, you know, these self-made, self-taught video presenters, writers, editors, publicists, all as one person. I thought, you know what? I'm going to, they, they know what they're doing. So I'm going to replicate that. So I don't necessarily know what I'm doing myself, but if I do vaguely the same thing that they're doing, maybe it'll work out. And uh, yeah, I I posted just to see what the upload process was going to be. I was just kind of interested in, in, in um, the, the workflow of uploading a video. And I thought, Oh damn, now I've uploaded and told everyone I'm doing this channel kind of have to carry on. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of did. And, and, and almost, I, I say this joke with my friends, like I'm pretending to be famous. Uh, it's like make believe uh, present, like, you know, I, I'm pretending to be a presenter. And then if you pretend for long enough, it happens. So that's kind <laughs> of the stage where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. As it gets to a point where you ever like, I know London's a pretty big place, but do you ever walk down the street or something, or you know, you buy South Bank or something, and like someone says, "That's Sam." <laughs> yeah, Has yeah. that happened? Yeah, yeah, that's happened twice. The first Outside Shoreditch. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, no, it yeah. was. Where was it? The, the first time was in the Apple Store at uh, in region. It wasn't Johnny? Was it? It wasn't. No, it wasn't Johnny. <laughs> no, it was him. <laughs> um. And I was buying a phone at the time and uh, the, the person serving me was like, sorry, don't mean to like, while well, you're buying it something, but are you sound? I was like, yeah. I made a great chat about that. And they weren't a designer. They just enjoyed the, the content. I was drawing a lot on the iPad back then. Mm. And I think they really quite enjoyed that. The second time that someone recognized me, it still shocks me to this day because I was, it was at a, a concert in London and I was at the back near the bar which is on my phone. My, my girlfriend had gone off to, uh, I think it was to the loo or to buy a drink or something. I was on my own. And this person came out of the blue and was like, excuse me, you, you Sam. And I looked around and I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like everybody looked pretty similar to me. And I thought like, how are they picking out me in a crowd of, you know, glasses and curly hair type people. And I was like, yeah, and, you know, and, and they shook my hand and walked off. And then my girlfriend came back from the from wherever. And, and I was like, oh, someone just recognized me. And she was like, oh, perfect timing while I'm not with you. And yeah. someone happened to come and recognize you. So she doesn't believe me, but it did happen. Yeah. Um, you so, didn't know who it was? No, I didn't know. I didn't know. We just shook hands. They said they were <laughs> and walked off, which is, which is actually handy because as a joke for a long time on Instagram, I kept telling people, if you recognize me out and about, Tell me, say hi, and I will buy you a drink. Um, and this person, and I was at the bar and everything, <laughs> and this person obviously hadn't seen that that announcement. <laughs> so uh, that saved me a fiver. So that's. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. If anybody recognizes me, I'm just leaving the hell alone. Don't go within two meters of me at the minute. That would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. A different time. Yeah. Well, well, I had a different experience, Sarah, just to make you laugh. I was actually on a date with my with my girlfriend. At, uh, it was probably the first date, right? This 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 is bizarre, right? I'm sat sat down at this place, didn't really know her well at the time, but you know, one of those kind of things. And she asked, "What do you do for a living?" So I said, oh, "I do design recruitment, she, industrial design." She goes, "You must know Sam does design." It's <laughs> like Jesus Christ, it was a bit scary. <laughs> um, but she's not a designer at all. But she just said, "Yeah, she just she doesn't actually know what she's watching." <laughs> but she finds it quite fulfilling. So 
That's uh, true of so many things. That's why people watch Bake Off, isn't it? It's like yeah. just it's like somebody making something. It's compelling. Yeah. yeah. So was there like a moment then? I suppose you kind of already touched upon it, but was there like, was it when you hit a certain amount of subscribers or maybe someone on your course mentioned something or even a lecturer? Was it a bit like, there's actually something in this, right? Or was it like, oh, I'm just going to do it for fun and see what yeah. happens? I mean, because I, I watched a lot of YouTubers already, um, I knew that it was possible to make something from it. Yeah. So I watched you know, a lot of MKBHD, yep. Simone, Simone Geertz, um, The Tested and Adam Savage, and you know, a lot of makers, a lot of tech people. But like you say, watching people make something uh even if you know the adam savage crew at tested they'll release a two-hour video of him just in the workshop painting a movie prop and i'll sit there and watch it like i know that there's an audience like whatever you make on youtube there is an audience for it and i always just thought actually the, the thing that made me pursue being online the most was I read an article, it was either in Vox or, or some online media place. And it was a, about someone who tricked TripAdvisor and set their garden shed. I've said this. Yeah, it, yeah, the most highest rated restaurant in, in London. And they were like playing the internet algorithms. Uh, and it made me realize... Uh, and, and, and the other one was that the same person fooled a load of companies into thinking that he knew Russell Brand and got a load of free stuff over a weekend because people thought that he was with Russell Brand and they had lots of followers, so they just sent him free stuff. Yeah. And, I was sat, and I sat there with a, a few followers on Instagram at that point, and I thought, you know what? If I start the ball rolling for a joke let's pretend I'm an influencer <laughs> for a while. And I emailed like 50 companies saying like, Hey, I'm a designer on Instagram. This is while I was still a student. So I wanted free stuff because like, <laughs> money was tight. I was like, I, I, I'm a designer on Instagram. I have this following. I'd love to chat about your product. Would you like to send uh, you know, a product over? And after 50 companies, I sent like two replied and, and one sent a product and it was a phone case. And that sort of got the ball rolling where I could then start posting things like, oh, thanks to this company for sending me out, you know, the free stuff. And then other companies would see me posting that or other people from other companies. And then they start slowly started to get in touch. And then it's like a snowball. And I never wanted to trick people into thinking I was more famous than what I was, but I knew I needed to like get the ball rolling somehow. So it's all about being genuine and, you know, it is me. I'm not pretending to be anyone else, but there was a little bit of trying to be like that Vox person for a little bit to begin with, just to pretend, you know, like I said, just to pretend. And then one day it might be true and I won't need to pretend anymore. Um, but yeah, so from the get go, really, uh, that, that was kind of it, how it started. Do you, do you think it's, it's harder to do now? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I think every, every, like, we've started doing lectures and stuff, so we'll go out to the universities and I ramble at kids basically for about an hour and they pay me for it, so it's fantastic. Nice. And But, like, they all have their little design Instagram account. And it's almost like you kind of, you, you could take credit for it, but, like, paid the way for them to do that as, like, a course of, right, go into final year, set up myself up a little personal brand. Mm. but it does seem a lot harder now to differentiate yeah. right, from the pack. Yeah, um, I really think that I was in the right place the right time. And there was even people before me that um, had a, a really large following and I was on, you know, 300, 400 followers at the time. And I, and I they seemed eons ahead. In certain, you know, and, and I think the difference is that once they sort of got there, with the, with the big following, they kind of stopped posting. Mm. That was kind of like a, a checkbox for them. I'm not going to name names, but um, people that I thought I would never reach in terms of community stopped posting. And I think the difference with me is that I've continued for the, for the, for the last 
you know, two or three years since then. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned community a couple of times. And, mm. um, of course, because you're an avid listener, you'll know that, the, yeah, that Brad and I wanted to start this to, to try and build on that community. Um, it's just, it's just uh, yeah, it, um, it, it caught my interest in that that was some of your motivation. I think, um, you know, you've mentioned, all right, you've got to play the game a little bit. You've got to try and convince people that it's worth their while, or convince companies that it's worth their while in sending you something that you can talk about. But the fact is you want to talk about it, so you will do what you've promised to do. And that the, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, it, it very much comes across that you've got uh, genuine intentions. I think mm. that's probably why, yeah. why it's so relatable. Well, I hope so, because I think that's the key point, is that I don't want to steal from companies oh. and sell crap to people, you know, like buy this thing. Like Arsenal Fan TV. I don't know if anyone ever watches <laughs> Arsenal Fan TV, but uh, you might not be football people, but like anyone that's watching it. They'll just throw sponsors at you like they're going out of fashion and then nothing to do with football. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like throughout the whole video, like from one side of the screen to the other, sponsored by. It's like fair, fair play. Well, so, but, then, but then people, you know, audiences are smart and they will just switch off. And particularly on YouTube, if I put a sponsor in that, that people are interested in, there's millions of other people to watch. But I think it's a genuine. Uh, the, the, and the companies that I've worked with, particularly Skillshare, I'm, I'm really quite proud to work with them because it is about learning and growing as a person and uh, and, and things like that. Um, so what, what is Skillshare? Is it a bit like Masterclass? Yeah, so Skillshare, it's, it's like Masterclass, but not not quite as polished. A lot, it's a lot, it's kind of like a mix between Masterclass and YouTube. Okay. So, so like Gordon um, Ramsay teaching you how to make a shepherd's pie. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's not the celebrities doing it. It's the, you know, they are professionals and they are professional creatives or, 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 you know, from all walks of life of like writers and, um, accountants, even like how to do accounting for, for creators, but they do these, uh, sort of one hour classes, uh, and they, and they talk you through the step-by-step and they kind of give you some homework and you go away and do it and upload it. And then you can all chat about it in the, like a forum thing. So that I think is a great value mm. to, to, to a design audience. Uh, Cause you know, there's, there are courses they can watch and that I have watched to, um, to level up my skills or everything I know about cameras came from Skillshare. Um, so, you know, to be able to pass that on to people and not just, not just take any, any, crap that's that's available and just sell it to people really provide value i think is really quite um you know like you mentioned try and be as authentic about it as possible and i'm really upfront with everyone like i'm like this is an advert <laughs> no uh Think if, we, if, if, if we ever do an ad, I think it would be the most sarcastic thing you've ever watched in your life where yeah. me and Drew would just rinse the crap out of a company probably for about 10 minutes. And then and that's why no one would want to work with us, Drew. But like, yeah. I couldn't be, I couldn't do it in ultra serious kind of no, it's product mode. Well, I couldn't do like that. When we've talked about this before, I'm really only interested in... Um, Carhartt. Well, yeah, Carhartt. <laughs> Uh, I'll take Lexus, that's fine. Um, but, no, it's, you know, in terms of design products or design, um, t- uh, like the, the tools and things, I, I would want to, you know, advertise, and I won't name any of them, but like the things that I genuinely use. Because let's say, for example, if I was using Copic and then um, Prismacolor, so, you know, let's, let's throw it all, let me have a go, at least at first, and then if I think they okay, haven't, I worked with those before. Um, yeah, I think I think you've got you've got to be able to stand behind it, you know. Otherwise, it's just very embarrassing. You feel like if you're out there hocking a load of crap that uh, you know, just because they've 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 offered you some money, you're like, well, this has become something that it isn't. And then the word truth and design truth rings hollow. Um, so we'd rather do it for nothing and you know be able to stand up straight and. Uh, yeah, that's true. And that's a good point, actually, about um, like rival brands. If, if you've been a bit of an advocator for one brand and then um, another brand comes along, 
it's tricky because I've done, I've actually done that in the past where um, I will name them. I haven't worked with them since, but that's, that's a timing thing. I, I really respect what they're doing, but I just haven't had chance to learn. I worked with um, uh, Gravity Sketch on, on VR sketching. And they approached me like, hey, you know, you, you do modeling on, on um, you do modeling on the iPad, you do modeling on the PC, come and do modeling like in VR. And I was like, yeah, great. Like I can advocate your products. And uh, okay, they were like, okay, we need the video in like two weeks or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, I got the headset and the gravity sketch and I could not use the app at all. And I was like, you know, I'm going to need two or three weeks, months to learn how to use this properly. My vision's not great. I can't see in 3D. And it's a 3D sketching app. And I had to I had to email back saying, look, I know we wanted to do this like uh, video about how great the app is, but I really need to tone that back and say like, this is how I learned how to use the app as a beginner because I can't, I can't do it like a, a master uh, and, you know, but that was a conversation, but same way, you know, like you said, with the pens, if you used to doing, using uh, Copic or whatever, and then Prismacolor send you a bunch over and they blend differently or they, the colors are different. And then the content you produce is not as nice as your usual work. That kind of shows as well. So yeah, yeah it's affected well, me. Might be better. Yeah, just to to try something different, no matter which way you're 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 switching, you know, try something different, you might you might improve. That's that's very cool. Uh, sometimes I'm really aggressive. Right now I'm on that I'm on that app where I'm I'm just ditching 3D card of all kinds. I feel like it makes me just from a personal point of view, I feel like it makes me focus on the wrong stuff at the wrong time. Mm. Like I, if I need to get something into molding or into rapid prototyping, that's the time. Up until then, I need to be able to pick things up and like find the shapes. And again, you know, like Brad knows that I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a blue phone nerd. Blue phone. Um, yeah, blue phone, blue phone. Um, <laughs> blue phone, red wine, black wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's the prism. Um, but yeah, that's 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 just the way that I like to work and the way that I like to think and the way that I like to explore how I think you might use something. And then at the end, when you're like, right, okay, here's the size of this radius, that's when I can get into, for me, Creo. And I'm going to keep saying Creo because if they'll sponsor us, then that's perfect for me. Uh, <laughs> well, they'll have more money than SolidWorks, surely. Their budgets will be yeah. bigger. Creo will be more, they'll have more money to spend than SolidWorks. Surely they give out for free, don't they, SolidWorks? SolidWorks is expensive. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I thought it's they gave it to students. Like, I thought they gave it to students for nothing, so they rope them in on it. Students, then, but not fully yeah. grown adults. <laughs> but the students, you know what I mean? They they I'm yeah, pretty sure they did that as a strategy. Get all the students roped in on it and then so employees we, uh, feel like they have to use it because So at Bournemouth we really had um well uh, then it was called Pro Engineer uh Wildfire. In fact, Pro Engineer 14, then Wildfire, and it was everything was right click, mouse button, um, horrible drop down menus, and it was an absolute pig to use. So then, uh, when the third years in, in, in Maya went out to, um, to do industrial placement, most industry was using solos. Those are the Jesus solos for you. I came back and was like, oh, draw the shit out of this in no time. Um, but no, uni had been giving out um, student licenses for for what is now Creo. Um, but I must admit, at that time, I was, I was fully solidless because I hated using uh, Wildfire. It was just really difficult. felt like the user interface was just horrible. I couldn't get my head around it at all. Um, I remember we had a project, a little task to draw a three-pin plug, and it took me weeks and weeks and, like, a lot of tears and, like, wall punching. Um, I think, basically... I'd punched the wall that many times that all I could do was very lightly click a mouse by the end of the project. Um, and I think I copied a lot of it off my mate because he was getting good at it. And then, you know, you use SolidWorks and you're like, oh, wow, this is easy. This is just making shapes. It's easy. Uh, but then now it's kind of, it, it's a bit switched around in my mind and having used the surfacing side of things as well a lot more. Anyway, I'm not trying to, um, I mean, I would like to get sponsored buy something like that that would be useful I would endorse it and I'm not trying to do that right now so I'll be quiet well you've, you've given it a good go 
I've given it a good go. And if Carhartt want to send me any more dungarees, I'm up for it. If I was Deborah Mead enough, that I'd be saying, thanks, but I'm out. I think that's probably how I'd respond. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how I'd respond to that. But uh, so, so when you first started out, Sal, I presume, did you have all the kit and stuff? Like, No, I'm only just sort of getting the kit now. I mean, I've been on a, a, a one-man band on a MacBook for years. Um, mm. And my first few YouTube videos are on you know phone. And I really... I, I've recently bought a, a PC for for rendering and, and and stuff. I don't know. It's this thing in the background. Um, and I've always been an advocate of like you don't need the kit to to do well in design. Whereas now, secretly, I'm like, okay, but actually, I am getting the kit. <laughs> so uh, I and and when I put, I, I did share to Instagram that I've got this PC, and everyone's saying, "What are the specs? What are the specs? I might buy what you're buying." And I'm like. I'm in a very fortunate position right now where I can get this due due to you know YouTube and, and stuff that and things that I've worked for for you know four or five years. And it is not a necessity to get this machine. But I've kind of lost and you know, up until this point, I've just been on a MacBook uh, and I've kind of lost those rights to tell people that now. But I still advocate, you know, you don't need all the kit, you don't need all the camera equipment if you want to get going. Yeah, so to anyone starting out, um, if they want to be a design YouTuber or whatever they call these people, um, your phone will get yep. you by. Your yep. iPhone, that's all you really need. If you want to film stuff, yeah, make sure there's plenty of light. Um, the, pho- the phone will thank you for that. I think there's yeah. too light on me at the moment, actually. I might go and change my camera settings, but the, sun, the sun's just coming through. Uh, but as long as there's enough light to film on your phone, it's going to be great. And as long as you have a, a, a computer, a laptop, or, or, or whatever that can open the program, you can get started. Whether or not it crashes or not is, is a different matter. Um, but you know, there is a point in your skill set where the fact that the program crashes, like your skill, is limiting your progress when you first start out. The fact that the program crashes. Is, is by the by, that's fine, because your skill is limiting. When, you're, when your skill set overtakes the crashes and then the crashes become the issue, then you're probably in a good point then where you can start to upgrade and think about upgrading, but it's not needed because you can have the fastest machine in the world, but if your skill set is just like learning where the UI is and, and what buttons to press, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. So I always say, you know, and particularly, I do a lot of key shot rendering, I do a lot of rendering for product visualization and it doesn't make for better renders. It just makes for faster renders. And if you're rendering one thing at a time, a slow render is, is no issue. But if you're in my position where you need to render 30 images overnight for a client, then that's where it starts getting a bit more official and, and maybe when the, the PC could do with upgrading. So yeah. do, 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 um, do work help out with those kind of things? I mean, like we, we we have all the all the PCs at work um, are, are plenty fast enough. Yeah. Um, this is for my own sort of enjoyment and, and doing stuff at home. Uh, this this setup here, um, but yeah, um, we use PCs at work where I, I'd never used PCs for the last ten years or so. By the time I got to to work at Layer, so even just figuring out how to copy and paste was. <laughs> It's a slap in the face, but I think I'm up and running now. I know I know what I'm doing a bit more. Yeah, cool. I, I suppose I have to ask you because um, I get asked these questions quite a bit. But what is it like to work at somewhere like Layer Design? Um, yeah, it seems to be one of those agencies where um, I talk to quite a few people out in the states, for example, and it feels like an agency is a bit more Silicon Valley esque mm. in comparison to maybe some of the more. Yeah, in comparison to maybe some of the more traditional UK agencies, I think maybe culturally and the way it's it works, it feels a bit more stateside than over here. Mm. But with that, always seems to perk a lot of interest. Um, mm. So what's it like to, to, to work there? I feel like I, I can preface this by saying, you know, like they say on Twitter, like 
all opinions are my own. I am yeah. I'm not the voice of my own. And what we'll do is we'll send, we'll send this to you before it goes live and you'll yeah. skip straight to the answer of this question <laughs> and you'll go, will my boss like my answer to this? Yeah. You'll probably go, probably not. Brad, can you take this bit out? <laughs> and in the world... <laughs> You'll never see the clip to this till about 10 years later when it pops up on Panorama or something. I mean, <laughs> unseen footage, one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had heard stories um, before joining about what it might be like, about the fast pace, the, uh, you know, the, the, the workload, the long hours. And um, from, from the stories that I had heard back then and, and the way that I'm sort of, you know, doing day to day now, it does seem like it has improved. Um, I am still fully committed to working. And sometimes that does mean, and I'm sure with any, with any company, you know, the late nights to, to get stuff ready for the client meeting in the morning, it's not only, it's not the only company that does that. Uh, everybody who works there is fully committed um, and uh, it's a great bunch of people to work with. I'm learning so much. It's insane. Um, and, and I think that's why a lot of people stay for as long as they do, because it's just nonstop learning new, new things. Hmm. Um, I know well, that... It, I'd imagine the work's pretty good, right? The projects you guys yeah, just get in must be, must be quite a big part of it, I'm sure. That, that is a perk. Um, but with, you know, with any consultancy... The, the work that people see when, you know, it's the press or, it um, you know, people, you know, layer of recently just launched the a new Bang & Olufsen speaker. Yeah. Um, but the thing is with these uh, product pipelines, uh, I I joined in, in January last year and uh, that project was already wrapped up um, when, when I joined. So, I managed to do some renderings for press, like the press release. I managed to get some renderings in so I can, that's my checkbox. I've worked for Bang & Olufsen. Put the logo on the folio. But, you know, just because, you know, designs take a long time to go through production and, and ramp up. So um, it is a long time, and, and I've even seen people online saying, "Oh, Sam, you worked on this Bang and Olufsen project. You've done all this." I was like, "No." <laughs> uh, and you know, with has, that, has that been part of your learning? Do you think, if you think about when you started off as a bit of a YouTuber, when it all when you all started, and now you're probably what four years out of like life, I suppose, and like work and all that kind of stuff. Do you have you? Have, I've started to notice this in you, but I've started to notice that maybe your views on things are starting to change a little bit. And I think that I've always found that to like, when I've done recruitment for those that you speak to initially, when they're like fresh out of school and then you talk to them, like I always jokingly say, come back to me once you've had a job and I'm sure your views on the world will change. And just a jokingly thing you would say, but do you start to feel like now you've done agency for four years, you're kind of, view on design and you can speak with a bit more authority now like mm. in terms of got a bit of stuff that's reached market and you know yeah. of the internal pressures and politics and dealing with decision makers and stakeholders i'm sure drew you've obviously been doing it for a little bit longer as well but do you start to feel like your views on things are starting to change now you've started to go over that initial honeymoon period of landing a design gig now it's like, okay, this is probably the rest of my life. So <laughs> do you, have you started to form a bit more of a view on on the industry and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I actually, uh, it was a big shock to me because when I did graduate, it was the first time in my life where the next three or four years wasn't set in stone and planned out. Like all through school, all through university, I knew that, this will happen and then this will happen. And, you know, and, and there was very rigorous steps to go through. And then when, and, and, and I actually gave a talk about this at my old university for their graduation event. And I said, when, I, when you're in university, it feels like you're going through a forest and every tree is a deadline where you're just, you know, everything 
you're just rushing through and, and just doing deadline after deadline for each individual module. And then when you graduate, you just come out into this clearing and, you know, you finish the forest and it's just vast because it, you're not, you're not pinned down to the next three or four years of your life. It's like, okay, this could be the next 60 years. <laughs> A little bit daunting to think, okay, uh, what now? Um, and it, and it does change, you know, I am, I'm, I'm, I graduated in 2017 so I'm getting to the point now where I'm I'm less of a junior. Yeah, mid midweight. Would you say now? I know the uh, things in like yeah, brackets, I mean, but that transition. I, th- I I think I'm about there. Whether or not that pops up on LinkedIn this week, next week, six months time, I don't know. But I do stuff outside of of layer. You know, if we talk about if we talk about juniors assisting and then mids beginning to start leading where a project is going or being more client side. I'm really lucky in that I have, you know, uh, some of my outside stuff where I'm a bit more client side, you know, with the YouTube uh, mm. sponsored videos and, and I know how to um, talk with clients in that respect and to guide where the project may go and then to manage expectations and all, and all that. So I do feel like even though it's not on, LinkedIn or, or wherever that I am as a, a bona fide mid weight, I feel like in other aspects I'm getting there and it does change um, the outlook uh, because I think an issue that, or an issue that I, I thought I may have, particularly with YouTube where I'm very much uh, positioning it as I'm not an expert I learned this yesterday, so you can learn it today. That's kind of like the thing. And I'm wondering, like, if I keep with that for a long time, will people just never see me as the expert, even though I have all this experience? Will people just see me as the the graduate student who's doing YouTube now? Mm-hmm. And I have, I've tried with a, with a few projects to uh, to show some progression, to show some more. Uh, I suppose with those long lead times, though, Sam, if it takes so long to get to market, you probably haven't got there yet, right? Because well, you're, still, is, you're still in that waiting game of, look, give me two years, guys, <laughs> and I'll show you the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've been really lucky, actually, in, in like, uh, sure, whatever project with Leia, that's, you know, that's almost by the by. But the fact that I've been able to work with, there's a company called Gantry yeah. out in America, and they do 3D printed lights, uh, with designers around the world. And um, once you submit a design, if the timing works right and they're not working with a thousand other designers, which I think they are at the moment, they're really busy, but I managed to work with them at a time where the lead time was six months. Uh, so out of university and then launching the first product in America was pretty fast. Uh, and I look a lot along the way and, I, and I've gone back to do a second lamp with them as well. So I'm lucky in the sense that even though some of the bigger projects with the companies like layer that I work at take a lot longer, I've got stuff ticking along, <laughs> yeah. you know, adding to the, you know, the, the bow to the string or, or the string to the bow or string whatever. To, I think it's string to the bow. Can I interject a little bit? Because uh, you mentioned something uh, just a moment ago about I learned this yesterday so you can learn it today. I think keep that up. I think that is a constant in, you know, in the next, I mean, you said 60 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. When, when did I graduate? Brad? 2004. So, well, yeah. So like 15 years in, I'm getting to a point now where I actually feel like I'm in a, another clearing. Mm. Um, and my, the shape of my career has just changed around me because sometimes the universe just shakes things up a little bit let's say uh so yeah i've been a bit bit bewildered by the options one thing i was trying to do this time around which is different to where i graduated i want to get your um, advice to students on this is i went for what gets me a job so i don't have to move in with my mom and dad again Mm. right how do i avoid moving home and i took that job Mm -hmm. what's your take um, yeah, I mean, 
I know a lot of a lot of friends of mine who who went to live back home, and we, I think the press have called us like Generation Boomerang, where we all go out to uni and then we just you know like a boomerang head back in again. And um, I was extremely lucky. Again, I think a lot of my career up until now is right place, right time, where I did an internship for six months and they were hiring after it. So they said, well, do you want to just, you know, come back and do this, but paid a bit more? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I get that, that, that that's not the, the, the situation for everyone. What I would say is that particularly for students graduating now, particularly with the whole Instagram and Behance and all these platforms that kind of, they all kind of say, if you're not working for the top newsworthy consultancy, then it's not worth it. When in actual fact, that's, that's really not, not the case at all. I think it's the other way around. Actually, I think what, what people forget is that go, it's all about when I talk to people in, in a recruitment sense, I talk a lot about what's your value proposition. Now, I don't know what that word actually means, but someone <laughs> told it to me once and I thought it sounded quite good. <laughs> What's your value? Check out Yeah, what's your value proposition, right? So if we use Leia as the example, because obviously you're here, Leia are going to look at it and go, well, Sam's got two years of experience working in an agency. There's value there. So how can you gain the value that they're going to go, oh, I like the look of him or her. I want to invite them in for an interview. Now, to me, I would go, okay, what products are they working on? So can I do something similar, but just not in London? Can I go international? Can I just get to grips with some consumer electronics bits? Mm-hmm. Do, do, just and then two years later, you've done that bit. Then you can go back to your dream consultancy and say, look, I've got some experience now. The value's there because they're going to go, oh, and that continues with you as you go throughout your career, where it might be a case of at Drew's level, they might look at someone with a little less experience, but they might go, okay, they've managed people, they've managed projects, they've got experience in X field. So there's a wider value there. It's all about about what's your value. Looking back, not just just looking at your final year project and going, would I employ me for that job? And if the answer is no, then sorry, it's a no. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does take someone external like me just to say, look, I'm sorry, mate, but probably not interested. Mm-hmm. But here's how they might do. So relocate, go down to the coast, go down to an area where there's no such thing as, like we've got this, we're building this map, aren't we, Drew? I mean, who, who me yeah i've been moving house you've I've just been watching it when i can get internet yeah every now and again i just share oh my god that looks amazing <laughs> yeah, that internet's gone, yeah, yeah. So every every now and again i just share the screen with drew and go oh we've got this map and it does this and like but you can see it's such a great visual example like design reality up in bloody north wales somewhere i can tell you for example when they're looking for someone they're probably going there's not too many people locally, is there? You know, they're probably thinking, oh, I might have to sacrifice some things here, i.e. quality of certain bits of skill or, you know, because it's just the, the talent pool locally. That's just how it generally works. Is that harsh right. or not? Is that harsh? I would say, I would say that that's you are from Chester. really, really true for so many uh, agencies and with um, with Design Reality, there's there are there's there's a good crop of like kids from North Wales who have gone to Loughborough, mostly Loughborough because they have really good connections there in Loughborough, so they get very good students. But that and example, as names, but you and I are friend, have a mutual friend and probably several others. In fact, two that we've done a Christmas episode with um, that are from North Wales have worked there and are now uh, either doing you know like that are now. But that's what I mean, right? So they've gone there, or Susan, I'll try and use another company because, but in that kind of, in the extremes of the country, right? So you're like here, they've created the value 
i.e. the experience in the relevant field, and then they've gone, ah, I could probably earn a bit more money <laughs> by going down to where it's happening. And the companies will look at it and go, do I just bring on a grad that doesn't really know a lot, or do I bring on this person that's got four years' experience in a smaller agency? And then what does that mean? What does working in a smaller agency mean? Probably more likely to get client-side interaction be more project management, you know, all of those things, all those interpersonal skills that come up. Would that person have touched upon things like marketing? Would that person have worked with different suppliers? You know, these are the skills, the value that that people, rather than just putting solid work, 69% on your CV, these are the kind of things you need to start thinking about of like creating your value. And it's always those things when I start working with a company and you're talking about hiring, I can guarantee you I know who they're going to employ just by looking at their LinkedIn profile because you just make a boatload of assumptions that normally get you very far. And you can always call it, could you imagine that person on their LinkedIn putting in new position, industrial designer at that company? Could you, does that make sense? And there's very few occasions where it doesn't. Um, I'd probably, gone way, probably gone way off kind of piece there. But well, so Jeremy will be on this all day. Yeah, just 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 shut me up, Sam. I, I get what you mean about um, you know the value added and, and, and getting experience in that particular field because that is very important. But what that does mean that even the juniors, if a company posts junior job, then it's you know needs three years experience, and you, you know where do you get that experience from? The way that I did it was. I was slightly adjacent for a while where I managed to get a, a small, tiny, tiny job at a, um, do you, a company. It, do you call it called, do you call it recipe now? Do you call it precipice? Or don't oh no, the rest the, the, the the before recipe, them. Rest, yeah. Before them. Uh, they, th- this company was at a design fair, a, a careers fair at university. And they essentially were a yellow pages for film and TV equipment. So they would they would rent out the you know the the Arri cameras and the red cameras the lighting rigs, and uh, they were the company that rented them to the film production studios, and they needed someone to make some web banners to just say Arri lighting contact us blah 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 they, that's all they needed someone to do, and I was like I can do that that I know Photoshop I know Illustrator. And I and I got to work there and, and do that as a part time thing while I was still studying, um, and uh, it it wasn't a high flying press grabbing job, but it was a start. Mm. And uh, it just so happened that their office was at Pinewood Studios, where they filmed James Bond and Star Wars and stuff. They had nothing to do with the production of it, and I wasn't allowed to see the Millennium Falcon while they were filming there. But I could go to the office and present like, oh, I've done these banners today or oh, this week. And they said, oh, that's great. Okay, off you go then. So for a little bit, I got to say I worked at Pinewood Studios and that was, it sounds a lot bigger than what it was. <laughs> um, but that was the, the first rung, you know, that was the first step. And then off that, I, I then have the, you know, it, it wasn't design work really. It was gra- grabbing a picture, grabbing a, you know, contact us and putting it in Photoshop or Illustrator, whatever it was. And, and, and that was enough to then say, okay, I've had a job that can go on the CV. Now I can look for the next rung on the, on the step. And the next rung was an internship. And, you know, it does build up and take time. Uh, but, you know, like you say, it's like a, a adjacent uh, creative jobs you can kind of pull from and, and, and say, oh yeah, I was, client side, but it wasn't design. It was this a bit more. Um, and then, yeah, but it, I think there is, you know, for, for me as a, as a, someone who has looked for jobs, you know, in the past two or three years, when, when a, when a company says, you know, junior hiring, and you go, great, like, let me, let me look. And it says must have three or four years experience. It's like, <laughs> where do I get that from? It's a junior position. But have uh, you have you have you applied to those jobs and they've turned around to you and said, sorry, you don't have enough experience? Or is that just something they're putting in their adverts that might be as a screening mechanism to get rid of people that 
have it, zero experience. Yeah, it, it could potentially be a deterrent to just make people not apply if if they really don't think they have that, that experience. But if if you can pull, you know, my point is if you can pull from any other field or any other job you may have had, but you know, it has to kind of be relevant because on my YouTube channel I do portfolio reviews, so I I see a bunch of portfolios and I do still see students putting in like oh uh, my experience I was a shop assistant um, working weekends um, and I get where they're coming from because it's like you know you, you respond yeah. you turn up you do the work and, and you know it's great to be responsible I get that but if someone else on their CV has a design job internship and uh, you know something ever so slightly more close and of course, they, they're probably going to be chosen over the retail person. Um, there, so- there, are, there, are, there are some ones, though, that you do look at. But very much, I don't do junior recruitment, so by the time they get to the point where I get involved, I bloody hope they had some design experience, otherwise they've got no chance. But like, if you look at something like someone who's been a waiter, for example, I think that's a bloody tough gig. They're dealing with awkward people. It, they're... It's fast paced. You know, if you're working in spoons, you're dealing with a drunk lot in spoons and all that involves. There's actually a lot about your own personal characteristics that I would. Yeah, I'd put that in like other other experiences or something, to be honest, because like, again, you know, I know we're running out of time now. We're approaching 10 to, and I want to get to some of the um, listener questions, but yeah, it's like, you might really like mountain biking. You might really like you're only great at the piano or know a lot of stuff about cameras and those contribute they show that you've like you've studied you've learned you've improved you've done all that yeah you've you've had um customer facing roles and stuff but i i, I wouldn't have in fact i don't think i did put my years of working uh butchers on a design tv because i didn't design anything there it's that simple some listener questions sam and between me and you, some of them are really weird. And I'm presuming that you <laughs> may... <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I'm hoping that you may be able to relate to this because I put something on Instagram earlier, which said, we've got Sam coming on our thing. Anyone got any questions? And some of the questions that I got asked were just weird. And I just think, do you get that? When you put up your, I don't know, it's, it's late. Anyone ask me a question before I go to bed or something? Some of them are just like, just never had that before until I asked. Until I said, I presume you're used to it. Uh, some some of them are pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the benefit but, is, you know, with the way that Instagram asks their question, you can just choose to not. Well, I, I always choose to not answer it. Of course, yeah. And then I say, oh, I've run out of time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was just one particular question about like um is is our NFTs decolonizing or something? I was like, what the fuck are you oh, yeah, asking yeah, yeah. me? Yeah, no, I saw that one. What no. the fuck are you asking? That's just, was you inspired it was by it, about, was you? Right, it was about um about decolonizing, right? And about is everything still is design still very much Western based? I can't remember how it was worded, but the word decolonize was in there. Like, yeah, it's too early. For it's, bloody, it's a Monday morning. I can't, people can't be saying decolonizing <laughs> to me on a Monday morning. I'm like, sorry. It's interesting. I don't know if any one of us, I mean, I can't speak for Sam. I don't know if I ain't got a clue. Have you got a clue on that one, Sam? Yeah, global view. Was it about NFTs in particular? It was about something to do with NFTs. And was it? I, I'm, I'm really not a big fan of NFTs anyway. I don't understand NFTs. I mean, anyone that's selling like, little prints if anyone's actually buying them i mean just get a grip i'm honestly but that's just my personal view on 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 that i'll edit that bit out just in case it helps anyone but we, we did have, at least remember the wording of the question if we're gonna ask yes it. yeah um but ask a proper question and i'll remember the wording of it but we did have one from a chap called kevin which i quite liked um and it was basically kind of asking you where you think industrial design will be over the next five years or so i suppose it's your now I don't know what forest you're in at the minute, whether it's open or whatever, but as you're getting to the next period of your life, um, where do you see industrial design going? Do you see it as something that's going to stay as this little cottage industry? What what kind of changes do you see for for better or for worse? Um, 
I do think that there will be a continual shift to merge industrial design teams with uh, digital, digital, digital yeah. yeah, UX and UI, um, because it's all part and parcel of product design. So that's going to continue to happen. I mean, it, it is interesting for me because I've only ever worked consultancy side. Right. So we have the, the pleasure of just saying, you know, we come up with these ideas, you can take them or leave them. But <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for the, for the companies that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're putting a lot of money into tooling and producing and the whole ecosystem with AI and, and, and smart stuff. Um, to me, it almost feels like we, we will come to like a boom of smart stuff soon over the next two or three years. And then there will just be an exodus of complete and utter, like the same way that vinyl has been making a comeback because of its sound quality, because of its tactile feel, because of its, you know, it's just visceral experience. Exactly. It's just nice. It's just a nice thing to put a record on. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, and I really think that, that we'll have this overindulgence of smart tech and then we'll go, you know what, is this actually helping anything? Like, uh, um, and then there'll be an, an, an exodus of it. That's kind of the way that it's almost the way that I hope it goes because it'll get real again. Um, so that, that's what I imagine. But in, in that meantime, you know, the, the merging of uh, systems design in terms of, you know, if you buy, you know, a ring um, doorbell, is it called ring anymore? The, the Amazon doorbell, yeah. all built into the system. And the product, the, phys- the industrial design is like the packaging of the system. Mm. It's, the, it's the physical purchase that you buy, but you're buying into that system. And as we all know, with well, Google's a great example. They'll learn, they'll launch some software, and then six months down the line, it's either got a different name or they've shut it down or it's closed, and then you can't use that software anymore. What happens when Amazon starts to shut down their their doorbell servers? Yeah. Doorbell doesn't work. Well, it's all right because Drew's got an idea about house keys, haven't you, Drew? You said last oh. week about <laughs> put your face on your door and then I don't know, you let someone in or something. Drew, you already had an idea yeah, for that. Yeah. yeah, it was it was when we talked to John, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? Um, but that's not an idea necessarily. It was just we were talking about family year projects, I think, and I said how like my one of my family year projects uh, for for my no, for my masters it was was around using your uh, you know your fingerprints and so on uh, to open doors and say, yeah, like right, a key works really well, but there's more that we can do. And for some people that that's an improvement, for some people it's not. Um, I can't remember exactly what we talked about, but like mm. we were, we can we, scan faces. So, yeah. We were amazed. Yeah. We were amazed weren't we? By when we did the, um, we went to Nottingham Trent virtually about a week or so ago, Sam, and we did a, concept showcase so all the all of the students showed us their final year stuff and we were amazed by just how much there was not a lot of physical product stuff a lot of service back and this is a product design course but the actual court the actual like nuts and bolts of the project a lot of it was quite service based I think it's fair to say that that's, that's not going to be just at NTU that's not really just it was just a typical indicator of you know, which way the wind's blowing. Also, the Kevin asked the question, is that our Kevin? Kevin Quigley, yeah. Our Kevin. No, it's Kevin Quigley. Big Kev. Um, we just, just, I said, Drew's got some chicken. I know he's quite keen to talk into some I chicken. Yeah. I can see it in his face. We've been doing it for a while now. But we have one final question we ask to everyone before they go. Um, we've had some weird answers to this, but I think design's quite weird. So it's quite nice to get some weird answers. And the question is, what's the strangest brief you've ever seen? I don't know if you've got any. You've done some agency stuff. You may have seen. Some, surely someone's gone yeah. to Mr. Hubert with some strange stuff. <laughs> the, the issue is, I don't know how, at what point I can talk about it, which I know that that's always the answer everyone gives. That's, that's the answer everyone's given, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah there's... 
No, I, I won't even try and answer it because if I do, I know I'll have to message you and say, actually, can you take that bit out? But yeah. there is uh, a lot of, you know, as, as, as humans and as uh, pet owners and everything, you know, there's, there's a lot of waste in the world and that needs to be sorted. So um, that's, yeah, my search history is, is, is weird with that one. Get some very weird adver- targeted adverts coming through. Um, but yeah, get, do, you, do you ever get any on Instagram from like fans where it's like, Sam, I've got this idea and you just think, God, no, uh, no, I never, I know I, I do. I get a lot of people just asking, well, actually maybe this is, maybe this is my time to, to stop this in its tracks, but I just get a, a lot of people saying, Hey, uh, how are you? Uh, I need your help. I need your help. I'm like, okay, are you in trouble or like whatever? <laughs> it's a lot of people call, that call nine nine nine. It's yeah, but it, I'm not qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong number. You know, you've just reminded me. Sorry to interrupt, but like, I get daily messages, and there'll be one, two, three, four, and then they're like, the fifth message might be, I'm sorry, I'll leave you alone now. But it's like on LinkedIn saying we make prototyping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the prototyping people, they're out in force, aren't they? Yes. Oh my god. They won't they won't, they won't be on the map. They won't be on the map. We're it's, not letting them. It's constant. It's like we do oh we do rap prototyping CNC. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Good for you. Um just yeah. whilst you're here, oh I've got it behind me. We're doing a giveaway and um we've had a grand total of zero entries. So oh. uh, this is a final plug for this. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just giving it to Drew, basically. So um, I've got some notepads. And I've also got um, some dot grid. So apparently they're quite good. Don't know. Um, and um, I've also got two um, £20 Honest Brew vouchers. Now, Honest Brew is just where you buy beer, basically. Um, so I can't think of why anyone wouldn't want that. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds like a great prize. Well, all you've got to do, go on, Drew. You're you're talking. You're, I was going to say, like Kevin submitted a question. So Kevin's probably going to get one. Yeah, at this rate. Yeah, big. Yeah, Kevin. I think if no one else, if no one else chimes in, Kevin gets one. Yeah, Kevin gets one, and then Drew gets the other one. But all you've got to do is on your Instagram story post. We're not fussed. We're not fussed over here. Just tag a picture of you listening to the podcast. Like you could be on your walk. You could be at your desk. Send us a picture of you listening to the podcast. Tag us in, and no one's entered. So you've got a f- bloody good wow. chance. You've got a bloody. Good I'm chance. sure I saw a, a, a screenshot from Vish. No. Is this, girl- is this announcement for people who will be listening to this episode? We'll try and get this. The expiry's on the fourth of May. So my plan was to try and get this out before the fourth of May. Right. So if here, I we do this. here we go. Here we go. He, all he's heard, he said, £20 Honest Brew voucher, and he's gone right, bang. You don't need to go outside. I know we can go outside now, but pre-drinks, on design truths, and then you can crack on at your, at your heart's content. Pre-drinks, fucking out to remember the days. <laughs> I'm starting to get to a point where I can't really remember those days anymore. But uh, there you go. So we're doing that. So it expires on the 4th of May. We hope we can get two episodes out before then. So you've got two bloody chances of, um, of of winning. If I know you've moved house. I'm more than willing to edit that one if needs be. Um, I, I let Drew edit one and he's moved house, so he's got a good excuse. Yeah. <laughs> and I've no internet since I went, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the giveaway. We're just giving away some notebooks and some vouchers. What about your mate Mike Carr? We'll finish up. Because actually, yeah, we did. Um, we did well, an again, episode. We did an episode with a guy called Mike Carr, and I lost the recording of it. So I should say sorry to Mike Carr, and he's also in hospital at the minute. So not not because of the episode not being recorded, because he's got himself into a little bike accident. Unrelated, unrelated but wish you well, Mike Carr, because I thought he was yeah. a happy fellow when I spoke to him, and he's your mate yeah. from uni. Super super nice guy. Always got time for Mike, and uh, yeah, go and look up uniform wears. Um, as well, beautiful watches. God, you're, you're, better than the, you're better at this than the sponsorship ones. <laughs> you're better at the pitching than the sponsorship bits. But uh, yeah. he's broken oh, everything, basically, Mike Carr. His foot, his hip, his, his collarbone. 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's got a lot left, to be fair, from what I saw on Instagram. Oh. But, you know, best of luck to him. And um, thanks for joining us, Sam. Thanks for coming on and um, yeah, spending your uh, Monday evening with us. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Design Truth. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, but more importantly, to our listeners in the UK, we hope that uh, you're in that beer garden now, starting to enjoy these lockdown restrictions. But do make sure you stay two metres away from me at all times. If you ever see me wandering around South Bank, um, you've got all the links by now if you want to know more about Design Truth. But if not, just chuck the two words into Google and I'm sure you'll find us. Stay safe and see you next time when we chat to Asad Hamir, CEO of tech accessories brand Nolly, just to understand how business can get the most out of design and vice versa. So see you then. Ta-da. Mm-hmm.